Well, one more time, welcome. We are so glad that you are worshiping with us this morning. Special welcome to our online people who may be joining in right now. And so uh, we are going through a great series this uh, month looking at the idea of open house and about hospitality. Um, I, I hope that you guys are uh, feeling more hospitable to people around you, more excited to uh, be uh, connecting with different folks. Uh, the one thing that we have been taught, at least if you grew up in the 80s and the 90s like I did, is that you don't talk to strangers, right? Any of you ever get that advice or give that advice to your kids, right? Like the, the whole idea of stranger danger, like you, you don't want to do anything that's going to get you in trouble by connecting, and obviously that's for little kids, but... Uh, in case, in case you don't know me, I don't want there to be stranger danger between, I'm Gerald, I'm the pastor around here, it's good to meet you, I'm so glad that you're here joining us today. But the thing is, I, I think we unwittingly cause some problems when we tell people don't talk to strangers, because we don't know really who we're interacting with on a daily basis. Like, and that's probably part of the reason why you don't know who you're dealing with. But, but, there, but the truth is, you don't know. You might have a connection with somebody that you would never experience had you not taken the time just to be friendly with someone else. The, probably my big example of this was when I, was, I mentioned last week, I used to work at Chick-fil-A down in Atlanta, and I was a part of a store that went through a transition where our owner-operator ended up going to... Uh, corporate, and then we were in a, like a three-month period of time where we were basically transitioning from being owned by the corporation to eventually being handed off to a new owner-operator. And in that time, I was really busy, like I, as one of the main directors over the store, like I, I was doing a lot, just trying to keep everything afloat. And I can remember it's been a, a really busy week, and the one of the guys who was an interim over what we were doing uh, was there, and he brought in one of his friends uh, to come just look at the store. And so uh, after the end of my shift, I was in the back uh, counting down tills, just trying to get ready and get out. It had been a long week for me already. I was ready to get home, hang out with Silas, you know, do something fun rather than, you know, Passing out chicken. Not that passing out chicken can't be fun, but, uh, but, but, I, but I was ready to be done. And all of a sudden, Dustin brings his friend Daniel back, and they start chatting with me. And then Daniel just starts asking me these obnoxious questions. Like, all these like, questions about, well, what kind of profit did you guys have last year? What, you know, what do you do about this? And like, he just started rattling all, all this stuff. And, and in my heart, the thought I thought, you jerk, well, Leave me alone. Don't you see? I'm trying to get out of here. Of course, I didn't say that, right? Because I'm a good pastor. Like, and, 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 and I'm a good Christian person. I wouldn't actually say that. I was super polite. And I answered all of his questions. And, and I tried not to act like I was being distracted by the fact that I'm trying to get out of here to get home to my family. But, but I was really nice. And I, I answered his questions. And I did all of that. Uh, about three weeks later, they announced who they finally chosen to be our new owner-operator. Anyone want to guess who that might have been? <laughs> it, it was Daniel, and he was actually testing me um, to see if I knew what I was supposed to know to be a director over that store. And so you don't know. You're talking to people. You might think they're strangers. You don't know what kind of influence that stranger might have over your life. And so 
kind of the crux of our series, the thing that we've been uh, kind of focusing on, or the thing I really want you to focus on at least, is this little passage here in Romans uh, chapter 12. Romans 12, 13, where it says, When God's people are in need, be ready to help. Always be eager to practice hospitality. That this is something that the Apostle Paul wanted the early church to understand. That this is something we should be investing in. We should be investing in hospitality. And so last week we looked at how hospitality really starts with God. That God created a world and invited us into it. And invited us to be a part of what He's doing in the world. And so today, uh, last week we talked about talking with, str- with God. Today we're going to talk about talking with strangers. Because, unfortunately, we, we can't ignore the stranger. We can't ignore people who are different than us. The Bible doesn't give us that option. And so I want to look at a passage today that focuses focuses in on this idea that we have to be people who care about people who are different from us. Hospitality, it's a biblical command. And it is something that we are meant to express by showing love to others. Love to people who are in the church. Love to people who are outside of the church. That this is supposed to be one of the most valuable things that we offer to the world is a gift of hospitality. And so... I want to read a passage in the book of Hebrews. Uh, one of the things we don't know, the book of Hebrews really is this ancient letter that was written to a bunch of Jewish believers. And he was, whoever the writer was, was trying to help them understand this is how we know that Jesus really is the Messiah. This is how we know that he fulfilled the Old Testament laws. And this is how we anchor our faith by believing in who he is. And so he does this great exhortation to them to be people of faith and to live godly lives. And one of the last things that he does is he gives this instruction on how we're to deal with other people. And so I want to read the first part of that instruction that we find in Hebrews chapter 13. And so if you wouldn't mind standing with me today for the reading of God's Word, whether you're here, whether you're joining us online, if you would like to stand to honor God's Word with us, um, that would be wonderful. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 13 and looking at verses 1 through 3. And I'll be reading today out of the New Living Translation. And this is how it reads. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. Let me pray for us this morning. God, we thank you. We thank you that when it comes to hospitality, we don't have to guess. You've shown us how to live. You've shown us what it is to invite people into your plan. And so this morning, as we look at your example, as we look into your word, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make this word come alive to us. That we would see what you have called us to. That we would see 
how we're to live so that more people could encounter the grace of our God, that more people could come to know Jesus and that their lives could be changed for eternity, that they could be welcomed into the family. God, we love you so much. We thank you for what you're doing in our church and we thank you for what you're going to speak to us through this message as we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, before you see it, why don't you turn and wave at a few people. Let them know that you're excited to be worshiping with them. That even if they may look a little strange, you probably look a little strange too. So just be, be, be thankful for uh, the people that we're worshiping with. If you're online, uh, wave at us. Let us know you're excited. Uh, let us know you're glad to be with some strangers. Well, we're in the middle of this series looking at hospitality. And we're specifically looking at this passage here in Hebrews. And... As I mentioned, it comes at the end of this long book where he's just really trying to help people understand this is why we can have this certainty in what we believe and this is how we're to live it out. And so he goes into this passage here with an idea of trying to help people continue in a love that he expects them already to have. And so as I look at this, I see three kinds of love that we are expected to express as believers in Jesus Christ. The first love that I see uh, pointed out here is that we are to love brotherly. That we are to love brotherly. That we are to express a love that shows other people that we consider them our brothers and our sisters. Very specifically, there in verse 1, he says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Now, the interesting part about that is he says, keep on doing it. As if he expects that you've been doing it already. I don't know that the writer necessarily knew the church that he was writing to specifically, but in any case, he w- it didn't really matter whether he knew them or not. He expected them to be people who showed brotherly love. That he expected them to be people who were going to be living this out. And so, um, speaking of all kinds of love, most of you know this about me already, I love Greek. I love just some of the nuances that we find in the language. And this word here where he says, keep on loving, is a word that you've probably heard before. It's a Greek word that you should probably be pretty familiar with. It's the word Philadelphia. I know we don't live anywhere near Philadelphia, but, but that's the actual word there. And it's talking about Philo means a affection, and Delphia means brothers. And so Philadelphia means to have brotherly love. You know, and that's, if you know anything about Philadelphia, it, they call themselves the city of brotherly love because of this. And then people who live there call themselves the, the, the city of brotherly shove because we're, we're, we're pushing into each other. Maybe not so much during COVID, I don't know. I haven't been there for a while. But, um, actually, I don't think I've ever been to Philadelphia. But, uh, but in any case, that Greek word there is there to help us understand we're to love each other. That we're to treat each other in the church as brothers and sisters. And I know that's hard because sometimes the people sitting next to us in the pew or the people uh, who we call other brothers and sisters are hard to get along with. But... Let me let you in on a little secret. Sometimes that's the way it works 
in families. Sometimes, like, I'll just, I'll just put it out there. I've got some weird brothers and sisters, like biological brothers and sisters. Uh, I love you guys. If you're watching, I, I still love you, but, 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 you, but, you're, kind of, but you're a little weird. And, and I've got some aunts and uncles, and, and I've got some other people that I would call a part of my family. Uh, most of them I'd claim, and they're a little strange. But I don't get to disown them just because they do weird things. There's a couple that I've tried, but it didn't work. And so you, you have to let them continue to be a part of your life. The same thing is true in the church, that we're going to have some people who are a little bit different, but we're to love them anyway. We're to treat people well, whether we fully understand where they're coming from or not. And obviously, when we look at this, that doesn't mean we just erase all barriers and that we, you know, we, we don't put any boundaries in our life and we don't do things that we need to to take care of ourselves and to protect ourselves and to protect our families. But I think sometimes we use those barriers to isolate people and to let people who are a little bit different step outside and, and keep them outside. And so we got to be people, if we want to live the kind of life God has called us to live, we've got to show this brotherly love. And like I already bragged on this morning, I know you guys do this. And I'm just encouraging you to keep it up. Just like the writer here is. I'm encouraging you. Keep on showing brotherly love. Next thing that I see that the text is telling us to do is to love strangely. To love strangely. That we are to find strange ways of showing love. I know that sounds a little bit weird, but let me... me help understand that a little better. Um, in verse 2, he says, Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. And so, I was talking about Greek words a, f- a few seconds ago. That word hospitality, right there, that we see, don't forget to show hospitality, that is a, a similar word, but rather than Philadelphia, so brotherly love, that word hospitality is actually philozenio, which means love for strangers. If you've ever heard of xenophobia, that's a fear of people who are different than you. And so this is actually saying you're supposed to love people who are different than you. you hospitality is supposed to be loving people who are different. And so this would be the place where as a church and, and as Christians... We have to pay very careful attention to that word because if we're not careful, we're really good at showing brotherly love to the people in our own groups. We like to show brotherly love too. But this was an admonition to the church to say, you're to show love to people even if they are the weird ones. Even if they are the ones that we don't know very well. That we're to be people who are willing to go beyond ourselves, go beyond our circles, to, to find the, and again, remember, this is specifically spoken to a group of believers. And so he wasn't even saying, go outside the church and find the weird people. Like, go into your church and, and find the people that you're maybe not as comfortable with and invest in their lives. Like, we're supposed to be sharpening each other, and that's not going to happen if all we ever do is hang out with the people we like hanging out with. And so that's one of the reasons why, as we are heading into the summer and as we're getting a little bit more opportunity, I want you to find ways of doing strange things and inviting other people into them. Again, backyard Bible studies would be great. Finding other activities that you can do, that you can invite people in. I mean, 
my family, we love to go on hikes. And, and we love to invite other people in when we do that. That, that it's one of the ways that we, we can be inviting folks in and, and letting people feel hospitality by just doing fun adventures with them. And, and when, I, when I think about someone who loves strangely, like my mind automatically heads up to a guy I, I've read, of, I think I've read everything he's putting in, in print, but um, it's a guy by the name of Bob Goff. This guy loves strangely. I don't know if you've read any of his books, but one of the things he brags about in one of his books was how he courted his wife. She wouldn't have anything to do with him, so he's trying to be uh, creative and showing love to her. And he he knew where she worked, and he knew where she parked her car. And so he would actually make peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with love notes inside of them and stick them on the windshield of, his, of her car, figuring she might need lunch, right? And so that's the kind of guy that he is. And he loves balloons. He loves doing radical things. He loves interrupting people's lives with whimsy. And so like, if, you, if you haven't uh, read his book, it's a great book, Love Does. It has a lot of practical ideas on how to show love in weird and wild ways. And so uh, I wasn't planning on plugging that today, but um, it, it's a great book. And we, as a family, have been reading through this one that he has called Love Does for Kids. And it's just, it's, we've been using it as a devotional, and it gives some of these stories and a few others, and it puts it down at a child's level where they can understand and they can apply some of the things that he, he's teaching in that. And last night we were reading through the devotion together, and I was like, oh, like I scrapped something that I was going to say today. I'm like, I got I to gotta put this in uh, the message this morning. And so he, he's telling a story about when he was in college, how he worked with Young Life. And it's a group that meets with high school students and hangs out with them and tries to tell them about Jesus. And every summer they do these camps. And one summer he got to be on a boat with 12 other high school students and, and a few other staff. And they were doing this trip and like everybody on the boat was different i mean they had football players and cheerleaders and then they had the geeks and then they had people who were you know really good at math and people who were failing at math and you know in all of these different genres of people and at first they were trying to get as far away from each other as they could on the boat but it's a small boat and you know by the middle of their time they were getting along with each other and then they realized that they had this huge sail called a spinnaker that was as big as the whole boat and they could attach a seat to the bottom of it and put a student on it, and the student would fly up into the air, and then as soon as the wind let go, they would drop down and fall into the water. And so it was just this amazing time, and by the end of it, they were all laughing with each other and cheering each other on, and it was this great experience where all of a sudden, this shared experience broke down these walls, took these strangers and turn them into friends. And so I, I just want to read the last paragraph from our uh, reading last night just because it was so great. He says, When you are on an adventure with people, everything changes. Being surrounded by wind and waves, traveling through the beautiful world that God has created, and hanging from the bottom of a huge spinnaker are things that make our differences seem less important. When you stare at a huge mountain with sheer cliffs and waterfalls cascading thousands of feet, 
you forget that the person next to you smells a little funny or, with, or that they were mean to you once in second grade. God designed us to be this way. I think He knew that the more we stand in awe of Him, the less we stand in judgment of others. I, I think that's worth repeating. So you're welcome. I'm going to repeat it. I think He knew the more we stand in awe of Him, the less we'll stand in judgment of others, of each other. That, that we are to do these adventures. We are, we are to have life and have adventures with other people because it's in that adventure we, we lose track of how that person is different from us and we realize we're all created by the same God and we all have gifts and talents placed in us that are designed to honor God. And so, let me encourage you one more time. Love strangely. Plan some trips this summer that you're going to do for the sake of inviting other people into. Do bike rides together. Do campouts together. I don't know. Find creative ways. Go shoot guns together. We've got creative people, and I've been with some of you guys doing some crazy stuff. Let's just invite some more people into it. Let's get some crazy things together. Let's, let's hatch some capers. That's one of his favorite things to do is Bob Goff. Let's hatch some capers and see what can happen if we love strangely this summer and, and really work to be people of hospitality and see that become something that we allow God's grace to be more real in us. And then the last one's a little bit more difficult. But the one thing that I see here in this passage that God is also telling us to do is to love painfully. That it's not really love unless there is sacrifice involved. You can say you love somebody, but if you're not willing to sacrifice for them, what you really have is you kind of sort of like that person. It's your willingness to sacrifice of yourself that actually turns mere affection into love. And in here, he gives a very specific thing. He says in verse 3, Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. And so what he's saying is you need to be invested in people who are hurting. You need to be aware of the fact that there is people in the body of Christ both here locally and placed internationally who are going through very, very difficult things. One practical way I would suggest you do this is, is find people who are dealing with people who are going through difficult situations. Voice of the Martyrs is a great publication, a great website. You can be praying for believers around the world who are going through difficult times. There's all sorts of people who are talking about human trafficking and and difficult situations around that. You can be praying for that. You can be giving toward that. So many times we, we look at this and we say, well, that's great for them to do that. It's great for somebody else to care about those things. But, but you, don't know, you don't understand, Pastor Gerald. I'm really busy. I've got so much going on. You know, I, I really can't afford to give my time or my attention to that. And... and the truth is, you're probably right. 
you don't have the time or attention to give to that, that's exactly why we're supposed to do it. We're supposed to love painfully. We're supposed to do things that make us uncomfortable for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm not just saying be uncomfortable for the sake of being uncomfortable. Look at what God's Word says. Find something that fits with your heart, but execute it in a way that's going to cost you something. Execute it in a way that your heart really does break for those who are hurting. Maybe you are a part of prison ministry. I know we got a couple of different people in this room right now who minister in our jails. You, know, you can get alongside of one of them and, and say, how can I partner with you? Maybe you're someone who wants to help out. We've got, I've talked about it before, we've got the Crisis Pregnancy Center here in town. We've got uh, different homeless shelters. We've got a battered woman's shelter. There's ways where you can be coming along the hurting and you can be expressing love to people who are far from God and even people who are near to God and are just going through difficult times. This, this is what we have been called to. We have been called to be people who live this out. We're to be called to be people who love strangers, who, who love people who are not like us. And I don't think we reflect the heart of God better than when we do just that. The Bible tells us when we were still sinners, when we were still enemies, God loved us. He didn't wait for us to act right. He didn't wait for us to say the right things. He didn't wait for us to go to the right church. He loved us. He poured himself out for us. And that's why we're taking time this entire series to have communion together, to remind ourselves that this is what was done for us. This is how God showed love for us. How he broke down the walls of hostility. How he reached out to people who were different. And he loved painfully through the cross, redeeming us. And so this week, as you go into your world, I want to give you the same encouragement I gave last week. Meditate on God's hospitality to you. We're going to share communion together and do just that. We're going to meditate on what God has done for us. But then, don't just let it stay there. Consider how God wants to show hospitality through you. Maybe a simple thing you could do this week is make a list of acquaintances you have. Maybe people here in this church, maybe people at work. And think about what would it be like to invite them into something? What, maybe, maybe go out and have a meal with them. Or, or what, what are some ways that you can show hospitality to strangers that, that would be non-threatening? I, I wasn't going to share this, but God just brought back to my mind, uh, I'm not going to say the restaurant because I don't want you to go make people cry, but uh, the last two times I've visited a local restaurant here, I've made my waitress cry by simply asking this question. As you're, as you're putting our meal in, as you're putting in, going to the kitchen, putting our meal in, we're going to be praying over our meal. How can I pray for you? Twice in, in about a month's time, 
actually three times because there was a different restaurant I went to with Bill where this happened, where the person basically started crying. So I'm, I guess I have a gift of making people cry. But it was like they were saying, I needed prayer today. You have no idea. The one uh, was saying, I've just, I was just telling God, I've been walking away from you for too long. I need, I need to start following you again. The other one said, one of my best friends just committed suicide. She said, she said, nobody's ever asked to pray for me before. Thank you so much. That's something simple. Just, just telling people, how can I pray for you? Is there anything going on in your life? Most people will make something up. I mean, at the very least, they'll just say no. Most people aren't going to get host- hostile towards you. And like, what? You want to pray for me? What's wrong with you? I mean, you might get that, and then you just you walk away. And that's a stranger that I'll let God keep working on. But, but find ways. Consider how God wants you to show hospitality. And then to help keep this fresh, memorize Romans 12, 13. It's a very small verse, very simple idea. But it will help you. That, just that you're thinking always about what do I need to help? How can I help God's people when they are in need? And how can I be ready to show hospitality? And if you want some practical helps on that, we're going to uh, continue to invite you to fill out your digital connect card. If you fill out your connect card today, you're going to get an email uh, this afternoon with just some questions that you can be asking. I'd really encourage you to get together with a small group and ask these questions together. Maybe create a small group before you leave today and, and connect with some people and say, hey, I want to I get further in this idea of hospitality. Would you go out to coffee with me this week? And take these questions with you and ask each other. But you'll, you'll get that this week if you text the word river to 715-953-4060. You'll, you'll get a quick little uh, message just saying, here's six questions you can ask in a group. And even if you can't get together with a group, maybe do it with your family or maybe do it you know, as you pray through it yourself. How, how can I live out hospitality a little bit better? And then if you're looking for ways to grow in that, I want to encourage you to go to that website we mentioned earlier, riveroflife.co forward slash serve, and just fill out that little thing. We're going to come alongside of you. We're going to help you discover your gifts, what God created you to do. And then we're going to help you find a place to get plugged in with our church or with things that we're doing so that you can begin to experience more of God's grace flowing through you more of God's hospitality be extended beyond you. So, as I've already mentioned, uh, we're going to end our service today by taking communion together. And so, if you haven't already got one of these, I think um, we've got some extras in the back, so just wave your hand and, and Heather will get to you. Uh, if you're online, you're welcome to go and grab. I'll, I'll stall for a second for you to be able to go grab some elements to join with us. At our church, just so you know, we, we practice an open communion. That just simply means you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a member of the Assemblies of God to partner with us during this act. The only thing we do ask is that you've been someone who's accepted Christ as your Savior. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And, and we're going to partake of this together. And then we're going to worship. And we're going we're gonna to celebrate a God who has been so good to us. An, 
a God who has poured out so much grace. And so you might be asking, why? Why do we do communion? Well, because we're instructed to. Because it reminds us of the hospitality that God showed to us. We remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he ended up taking bread and sitting with his disciples, and he broke the bread, and he gave it to them. And he said, take and eat this bread. This is my body broken for you. What he was saying in that moment was that I'm going to be broken, but my brokenness is going to bring healing to you. My brokenness is going to restore you. And then it says, in the same way, he took the cup and he lifted it again and he blessed it. And he said, this cup is a covenant of my blood, which is poured out for you. And what he was saying by that was, in a few hours, I'm going to be crucified. My blood is going to be poured out, but it's going to be poured out so that you can be forgiven. It's going to be poured out so that you can, hospitality can be extended to you and you can be invited into the family of God. And so it doesn't matter what you've done. You can be a part of what I'm doing. Jesus is saying you can be a part of my plan for humanity. I'm inviting you in if you will accept what I'm doing in this moment. And so we're told that as often as we eat this bread and as often as we drink from this cup, we're remembering what Christ did for us. And so, as I mentioned, this is an open communion. You don't have to be a part of our body to participate with us. You can be online. You don't have to use these juice cups. You can have something of your own. It can be water and bread. It can be whatever you have with you. It can be sweet tea and a biscuit. I mean, just, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that we're doing this in a holy act, that, that you are doing this to honor God. And that as we do it, we're, we're doing it to remember. We're doing it to remember. And there might be some of you who are in this room or are watching online and you don't know Christ. And I'm, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to say a simple prayer, to accept Him. And that's the only requirement we have for this is that you, you've accepted Christ. And so I'm going I'm, I'm to offer a simple prayer, and then I'm going to pray over our elements, and then we're going to partake of this together, and then we're going to worship. But let, let me go ahead and offer that prayer. Let, let, let's bow our hearts, let's bow our heads, and let's give people a moment just to, to set in this. pray right now that you would begin to sense the Holy Spirit. That you would sense the hospitality that is being extended to you in this moment by God. That God's calling you nearer. That God's calling you deeper. And if you're in this room, or if you're connecting with us, worshiping with us online, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, 
want you to feel that He is calling to you right now. If you want to respond to that call, I invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. You can use my words, you can use your own. You can say this out loud or you can say it in the quietness of your heart. I want to invite you to pray something simple like this. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my mistakes. For my sins against you and against others. Today I choose to turn from that life. And I choose to follow you. Holy Spirit, fill me so that I can live a life that honors Jesus. Strengthen me so that I can walk with Jesus every day of my life. God, I thank you for new life. Today you have mine. As I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You prayed that, please come and speak with me after service or let us know online. One of the things that it says you have to believe and then you have to confess. You have to let somebody know that you're doing this. And we want to we know so that we can give you the, the resources to grow in your faith. And so right now, I'm going to pray over our elements and we're going to partake together. Because it, it, I want us to remember the gravity of what we are a part of. That it cost us the blood of the Son of God for our redemption. And that the healing we need, the forgiveness we need, is symbolized in this bread and in this cup. Let me pray to that end. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for the ways in which you have brought healing to us. Today, we ask you would bless this act of communion. That as we take this bread, we remember that your body was broken so that we could be made whole. That as we take this cup, help us remember just how precious that sacrifice was. That we would sense fresh and anew the forgiveness that you have offered. That we would live lives in light of that deep, powerful, profound forgiveness. Help us remember. Help us never, ever get over our salvation. Let it always be something that is fresh and new to us. Let it always be something that brings life to us. As we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and partake of the bread together.
And now the cup. Let's stand. Let's worship our God.